This is the Goalkeeper Roundtable, hosted by Dr. Bill Steffen, with Jeff Shook, George Castellas, and Dave LaTourette. Welcome back to another episode of the Goalkeeper Roundtable. For today, we've asked Chris Barakas to pull up a chair. Chris is involved with Inter-Miami of MLS as their goalkeeping coach with their USL affiliate, Fort Lauderdale CDF. Chris also is involved with their development program and their youth goalkeepers. So he gets a great opportunity to not only work with their professionals, but on the youth side. Sit back, relax, with Dr. Bill, GK, Shooky, Lotto, and CB. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, welcome to another Goalkeeper Roundtable. Today we have Chris Barakas from Inter Miami, who will be with us, and Chris is well acquainted with everybody else here. Um, so we'll try and keep the stories to a minimum and stick to goalkeeping. Um, Chris, how you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for having good. me on. Good, good. No, man, glad to do it. Um, Jeff, George, and Dave are all here as well. So um, I think the first thing is just let's just, you know, just briefly your responsibilities and your duties for Inter Miami. Well, I am the goalkeeping coach for our USL team, Fort Lauderdale CF, and I also help out with our U17s and U15 Academy goalkeepers on a regular basis. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I do see our youngest goalkeepers all the way up to our youngest professional goalkeepers and basically bridge the gap between the academy and the first team. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. Um, what? As, you, as you're involved in youth goalkeeping, one of the things we've tried to be consistent in talking with our guests about is um, kind of like good and bad in current youth goalkeeping. What do you see as being good? What do you see as being needed to be addressed? Or if there's goalkeeper coaches listening, what do you think that needs to be addressed in the youth goalkeepers that you see and what, what's working well with youth goalkeepers? Well, I think, you know, some good things about youth goalkeeping in general is you're seeing kids have – you know, a, a decent level of technical proficiency at young ages. Um, you know, there, there's the, there's more material and more media out there for them to observe, you know, through YouTube or, you know, other various goalkeeping outlets, whether it's through social media, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, every, every coach out there is putting stuff out on the internet now. So um, there, there's a lot of good examples of technical things for goalkeepers to do and how they can improve themselves. Now, I would also say there's, you know, that could be a, a negative as well, because if they're not, if they're not watching, you know, stuff that we, in our experiences have seen to be successful, you know, I, I don't want to ever say there's a hundred percent right or wrong way to do something, right, but right, there right. are things in the grand scheme of things that, there's a, a, an optimal way of doing a lot of things from a technical standpoint. Um, if they're not kind of following some of those guidelines, then, you know, it can, it can be a negative pretty quickly. Um, you know, for, for, an, for example, is now so much information has gone out on goalkeepers having to be decent with their feet. And I'm, I'm seeing the goalkeepers that I come across at younger ages being at least well-versed in, in how to pass and receive a ball. And they're starting to learn how to strike balls and lift balls, you know, at relatively young ages. So understanding, you know, where the game was 1992 and then now where we're at, how the evolu evolution of a goalkeeper having to be very much connected to the team in build up, um, you know, is, is something that I'm seeing more and more. I, I don't see field players taking goal kicks like I did even five, six years ago. So I think that that's a, a, a good trend. Now, you know, one, one of the things that goes along with that is, you know, they have to understand why they're doing it and, 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 you know, in based off of the situations. Um, so, you know, you can, you can technically do something, but why are you do so, doing something? And I don't think that that's, a strength right now. I think 
our goalkeepers overall in in the U.S. are are, are quite good technically. Now I think they're they're missing some of the the tactical stuff. Um, you know, for the same reason, they're just seeing stuff on the internet and they're just doing it versus yeah. understanding the why. Um, which I mean, all of us kind of grew up and and cut our teeth coaching in a situation that really embraced the why behind the what, um, you know, and, and through, you know, the, the leadership of Tony, he explained it, you know, we, we got to actually test those things in training environments. And I think that's why um, we've all been very successful at our jobs is because we've, we've learned how to connect what we're doing, why we're doing it, kind of answer those five W's um, when you're out on the coaching field. So, um, and then also, I think, you know, in, Goalkeeping is, is, is a position where there is a lot more athleticism involved. And I think athletic players have gotten into goalkeeping um, versus I know when I was growing up, a lot of times it was just the tall guy um, or, or the one that didn't like to run or couldn't run. Yeah you know, um, very fast <laughs> on the field. That's, that's what it was. I think now, now we're, we're, we've recognized that goalkeeping, you have to be an elite athlete if you want to make it to the highest levels. Like, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You look at Manny Neuer, right? There's not, he, he's a unicorn out there, right? There's not many guys that are six foot four, six foot five, and can do what he can do from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, no, good. I think one of the things we've talked about, and it's just been a kind of a consistent theme, is how uh, goalkeepers need to uh, kind of a, what you alluded to. They're technically they're pretty sound, but they don't read the game as well as we would hope. And I think that is part of that kind of the evolution that you've talked about. Is they become more soccer player as well as goalkeeper. They understand the game, so they know and they can read things. And then uh, you know we all have talked about you know it, it, if you can prevent a shot from becoming a difficult save and make it easy, you do so. You don't look as glamorous, you don't look as showy or flashy, but you are, at the end of the day, you're a more effective goalkeeper. And so I think reading the game is a, is a big, I think probably the next step in this evolution where they start to read the game and start to you know be able to anticipate and be more proactive than reactive. Even though most people would say goalkeeping is a reactive position, it can be proactive in the sense of trying to prevent- yeah. Recognizing cues understanding like attackers options and possibilities. Yeah. It's, I, I think that that the best goalkeepers in the world are able to do that. And then they're able to react in the manner that they react um, and keep the ball out of the net through wh whatever action it is. And it doesn't have to be the most, you know, the prettiest thing. And you see guys throwing these crazy kick saves that I, I mean, when I was 18, 19, 20, and even, you know, mid twenties, I'm like, why would you throw a kick save? You don't need to do that. Use your hands, get your hands to the ball, but the game sped up so much. You have to be able to improvise. And if you can't read the situation, if you can't read the game, your ability to improvise is limited at best. Good. Good. Um, I think part of the other thing is, is as we uh, look to develop kids, um, obviously we're trying to, you know, we just talked about reading the game, which involves field players, which involves realistic settings. Um, but there's also a need for technical training, which can be a little bit more isolated. Um, how do you balance that with your work with the, the players at Inter-Miami? So we'll, we'll have some form of technical development within every training session. And you know, a lot of times in my role, I've got our goalkeepers for 30 minutes and then they're in with the team or, you know, I'll, I'll bring them out 15 minutes early. So we get a little extra time, but um, you know, if we have two goalkeepers that are being used, then off to the side, I'll have, I'll have some cones, I'll have some sticks and we'll do some technical handling, some footwork and handling, you know, um, We'll, we'll work on passing. Well, you know, it, it, obviously the, the ability to play in the professional game, you do need to have some decent level of proficiency with your feet. So it, it's about managing your time as much as possible. Um, you know, can you, can you activate your goalkeepers as opposed to doing just a jogging and stretching dynamic warm up? Can you, can you activate them 
starting with a, you know, a slower process and then moving them into a kind of a, a little bit more game speed as you go through the, the warm up activation process doing technical work. And I think a lot of times you can, um, there's sometimes where, you know, yeah, you just need to warm them up doing the, you know, the old school or whatever you want to deem it in terms of the, 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 the word, but, you know, jogging, stretching, dynamic warmups and everything like that. So, um, but I, I, I spend a good bit of time, you know, 10, 12 minutes where their warm-up is very active with me. Um, you know, our guys do a, a prehab before they go out on the field. They're doing some foam rolling, some stretching, some mobility stuff with the mini bands before they get to me. So a lot of times they only need four or five minutes and then they can actually get in, start passing and doing a little bit more, you know, game realistic pace activities. So that and then when we're performing, you know, in, in training, I still stress the technical stuff. They still get a good bit of reps of that. But, you know, a lot of it is, you know, more variable, which would be, um, you know, United soccer coaches, coach goalkeeper players. When we're using the goalkeepers and the ball's moving and we're creating decisions, they're having to recognize cues because that's the game. You know, the game on the highest level is being able to flow through different situations quickly and position yourself based off of the attacker where the ball is and then, you know, figure out, all right, well, what am I looking at? Is body shape? Is it the speed of the pass? You know, and that helps you formulate your decisions. Yeah, I think, uh, again, especially with your higher level goalkeepers, that's the majority of your coaching. It's going to be that kind of decision making. What were you thinking right then? What were you thinking then? What were you thinking? What were you looking at? Yeah. What do you observe? Right. So I think that's a, that's, that's a big thing. And I think, you know, when we're talking about negative trends, you know, yeah, the the technical stuff is great, but you know, how, how do you improvise? How do you flow between the the different moments of the game? Um, You know, you don't want to be a robot. You want to be able to, you know, go, go through and, and make decisions, see things happen and kind of anticipate. And then it puts you in a position where, you're more than likely to have more success making a save um, if you have an idea what the attacking player can do or what the situation actually is. Mm, good, good. Um, with and again, fellas, I'm just rolling with questions, man. So you guys have something, just let me know. But Otto, you got something? Yeah, I wonder. Before we get too far away from it, I want to go back to towards the beginning. You know, we talked about, or I should say, Chris talked about. Um, you know, the trend of the game going to goalkeepers being able to play with their feet more. And we all know that we've all seen that evolution. And I believe, and again, this could be pocketed in different parts of the country and who you see and what level of goalkeeper you see. And I'd like to get Chris's feedback. It probably doesn't see it with his older and advanced goalkeepers, but the, the trend to the opposite side where kids have become very good with their feet and they can craft a ball and and play a ball between lines and whatever it is. But then you ask them to sling throw a ball 30 (laughs) yards and they can't do it. And honestly, and again, this could be our younger goalkeepers. And I just want to know if you see that because I'll do some stuff in training and kids are good with their feet. And then we ask them to start throwing a ball. And that's maybe not just from a soccer perspective, but they haven't been uh introduced to or exposed to maybe just other sport you know and i just like even bowling a ball back to a player with good distribution so they can play between themselves like and i'd say bowling but maybe they've never even gone to a bowling alley and played duck pins or they've (laughs) never gone bowling or or whatever you know whatever that might be but you know i see that trend a little bit um i mean i've seen it even with some with some slightly older goalkeepers because all they've ever done out of the back with their team play with their feet play to their their two three four or five and that's all they've ever done they've never they've never thrown a ball and uh i don't know and it's just i'll I'll preface it with it it came up again but i saw i guess it was the man united game and i believe is it henderson that was in goal for man u and he that beautifully crafted sling throw between the lines that starts the counter attack you know Mm -hmm. and it was just i thought that was beautiful but anyway chris i'm rambling but your your thoughts there or what you see and what you've seen etc Lotto, just to be oh. sure, you're not suggesting that Chris take his kids bowling to for training, right? No, I'm suggesting that he brings oh, eight pound oh, okay. bowling okay. balls sure out to, to the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Put divots in my in my grass. My groundskeepers yeah. will love me for that. Shot one, right? puts, man. Yeah. So no, I Lotto, I definitely see. You know, yeah, you you've got guys that can do ridiculous things with their feet. Can lift a ball, can play it, can bend it around, 
And they struggle when you put the ball in their hands, not only from a technical aspect, but from a decision-making standpoint. Um, one, one thing that I've, and I've been fortunate enough to kind of rotate through some of the younger guys in the academy is, um, it's, it's funny that you said that. I actually did a session the other day with our U-12s. And, you know, there were, there were many goals around an arc and it, it's an angle play session. If they made the save, there's three mini goals. Well, now you have to figure out which mini goal is being blocked. So your head's up, you're running up to the top of your 18, trying to start a counterattack, right? And I got them in the habit of, hey, run maybe towards your left. Where do you think everyone else is going to go? They all shift to the left. And then you can stop and run to your right. And now you can distribute the ball, looking to play with their hands past that first line. Because, you know, it's, it, with, the, with the amount teams are pressing now as well, building up in front of the opposition press that they want that they want that they exactly. want that to get to the you know the right sided center back that you have playing on the left and then they're going to go ahead and, and and take it off you there so sometimes especially when there's numbers committed forward let's just run past those numbers while it's inside the 18 and start looking to counter through there you should have a numerical advantage so that, that's, that's where a, you, you, you talk about reading cues to the point where, where our goalkeepers become evolved enough where they see that a, a couple of times and they can even fake, start to fake a throw, take one step, yeah. half fake a throw, let that player step like he's going to press, which opens a seam between the line. And then we mm -hmm. play, play to your six or whomever you want to play to in that next line. And then just, again, so yeah, I'm glad yeah. other people yeah, are seeing well, it. You're just discussing the experiences we've talked about, because again, I think I would bet every one of us is fake to throw one way and then cut it back the other way. And again, that's just part of that is just the experiential thing that they'll have to develop over time. Well, that, and I think if you look at it, you know, the, the whole element of cross training, which has kind of gone out the window over the last 10 or 15 years, um, you know, you, you think of it like when the goalkeeper has the ball in their hands, they're like a point guard, right? So they're, they're kind of driving the front of their 18 in a central area it could be kind of like the rim or the hoop or whatever. When they're running there, people are going to commit to that area, to that space by them causing them to run there um, based off of their movement. And it's going to free up those other areas. So it's just like a point guard driving to the rim knowing that he's not going to shoot and just dishes it out to someone else for an open shot because everyone kind of collapses down on him. So, you know, it, it, I, I try and relate things when, when I'm talking about situations, I try and relate them to other sports for our goalkeepers. And sometimes they are just looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> because you know, Absolutely. It. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, you know, it's a little frustrating um, at times, but then you get the one or two kids that do it. And they see it. And then they're like, coach, I watched basketball and I saw what you were talking about. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Cause you can learn so much from all these other sports. Um, and, and I mean, this happened when I, when I was in Orlando, um, you know, it happened when I was in Jacksonville, all these kids have done it for the last, you know, six years has played soccer. Like they haven't even played pickup basketball in the street or anything <laughs> like that. And I, I, I struggle to relate to that because that's, how I grew up. I grew up playing every other sport. So no. if we started talking about sports sampling, I could get going. So oh, yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> could. Go ahead. George, you had something. Well, I mean, I just wanted to bring it back and it, this is a great topic because what I'm feeling and what I'm recognizing, and, and I think Chris has alluded to it a, a bit and Lotto just did is that, you know, obviously the game is, you know, gotten to the point where goalkeepers need to be more specialized with their feet. But I also feel it's, it's actually, you know, hindered the quote label of being specialists with their hands. Mm. And, you know, I just wanted to see in your environment, you know, obviously we haven't been able to, you know, connect, I would say on a field together, but at the same time, I know your background and, you know, Tony being an influence and, um, you know, obviously work in soccer plus camps as well, you know, we're always going to teach catch the ball first, but just, just from your experience right now, are you seeing that as well? That that goalkeepers are quote, I would say, you know, I would say losing that uh, specialist label with their hands. Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, it's it, it's sometimes it's a little inconsistent, right? I'd say would I wouldn't say they are losing. I'd just say 
there, there's not as much clean consistency in their, um, you know, in, in, in the handling as, as there was, you know, 15 years ago when playing with your feet was not as, as stressed as it is now. Like now you've got Ederson who's basically playing as a third center back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and some other goalkeepers are doing that as well. Whereas 15 years ago, you know, maybe it was Buffon. Was he playing as a third center back? No. People really didn't know who Manny Neuer was 15 years ago. You know, these, these guys have pushed that evolution a little bit further. And now those are great goalkeepers. They do a phenomenal job of keeping the ball out of the net. You, you can't sacrifice, in my opinion, really the, the primary role of the goalkeeper is to keep the ball in front of them, right, rather than behind them. And yes, you want to be able to do things with your feet, but I don't feel like at least me personally, I don't want them to be able like them sacrificing. Well, I'm good with my feet, but you you still have to catch the ball or parry it and put it in safe areas. You know, you still have to be able to use your hands. Um, You know, that's why you wear gloves and that's why you're in this position, right? You are defending the goal, right? We always talk about, you know, priorities when you're in like the three goal situation. Or, you know, even, even like an early cross, can they shoot? If they can shoot, first thing you got to do is make sure you're capable of covering the goal, right? So, you know, after that, yeah, I'd like you to have some, some capability with your feet, maybe be proficient and even master it. But, you know, that's, that's something you're going to put the ball down at a goalkeeper's feet. You're going to have to play a little bit of risk reward with them, um, yeah. You know, especially if you want to build up and you want to use a lot of short, quick passes, because there's only so, so much speed the game can be played at, right? Whether it's through speed of thought or the actual speed of action, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you you make the game go too fast, passes become inaccurate. And that's, you know, obviously the pressing aspect of it. So, you know, I have seen a lot of goalkeepers over the last, I'd say, eight to 10 years that I'm thinking to myself, you know, just three or four years ago, goalkeepers, I felt like were better with their hands. Now the game has also sped up significantly in the last eight to 10 years as well. Um, you know, where goals are being scored, they're coming off of first time finishes from a lot of cutback scenarios and flank play scenarios or slipped balls in behind the back line, you know, so the game is a lot faster. I think handling will always decrease a little bit when the goalkeeper has less time to react, you know? Um, so I think pairing the ball and tipping the ball is, is just as important as catching, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I do, I do sometimes see a goalkeeper that's phenomenal with their feet that can't, can't catch a ball clean mm-hmm. at all. I think where I see it most relative and my observations is that when you're, what you're, what you're finding now, especially in those breakaway type situations where somebody can, utilize their hands and get to the ball early and whether it's a smother or whether they're just uh you know capturing the ball in their hands we're seeing a lot uh, going on with the block the k save yep. you know we called it the spongebob at one point or at least cap patrick did. yeah the patrick yeah. so um any thoughts on that i you know i it definitely has its place in the game um I, I agree. I think you see it way too often. Um, I think you have to do a good job of connecting the what, when, where, and why, you know, with that specific save. I think, you know, it is a very, I talked to, to Phil Wedden, shock, another soccer plus guy. Right. Um, and, and it was at the convention a couple of years ago, I said that that's become a utility save. I see people try and like do shot stopping, with, you know, with the block and everything. And I'm like, the guy's 15 (laughs) yards away. What are you doing? Um, And it's, you know, I don't see it as much anymore, um, you know, with the guys I've been working with, but it's, you know, every once in a while, I'm still shaking my head, whether it's, you know, the guys I worked with a couple of years ago in New York or in Orlando, every once in a while, I'll see it here. I'm like, why, why would you drop into that when you're 15 yards away? You know, uh, you know, I get it. Sometimes you just react late and it's an improv, but if that becomes a habit, you're just making the goal that much bigger and you're not affecting the actual shot. 
you're not transferring pressure. Yeah. You're not narrowing any angles. Yeah, so at that point, so, you know, when, when talking with Phil, you know, I said, look, this is something that in my opinion is, should only be used about 10% of the times it's being used. Yeah, like you see guys, you know, flying out hundred miles an hour and dropping into that. And they're eight yards away from the guy, you know, he can dribble around you or he can just lift it past you. Um, I think you have to really be specific in the distances that you explain and, and, the, and the angles of approach. If it's a guy straight on, maybe, maybe you can be a little bit further or a little bit, you have to be a little bit closer because they can get it around you. If it's on a narrow angle, maybe you can be, you know, a little bit further away because now you're just creating this big barrier. It's tougher to bend around you on a narrow angle. So, um, you know, but I, I do, I do agree. It's, it, and that, could be because it, it looks cool, right? You it's, know, it's, it's a current topic. It's it's a trend kind of thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it goes back to what Chris said earlier about um, our young players now and their access to everything, social media, YouTube. You can sit mm-hmm. and like, heck, the UEFA League, they have this, uh, I turned on the other day, I'm like, why can't they just put a game on? They've got this Golasso, like they flip between games like every two minutes and I lose track of who's even playing. But they can they see so so much of that now that they have access to so, so much. And for them, they just see it happen. They're like, God, this is this is what so-and-so does and so-and-so does. You know, my response is, well, it doesn't mean it's right. And we yeah, have you're to not contact- so-and-so. Yeah, right? we have to contextualize it. And we've <laughs> yeah. said it here before, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, Diego, this is a young kid in our club. I go, how 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 big are you relative to Martin? They're the same age, and they're like five inches different, and the wingspan is different. I go, and I go, Diego, you're you're tiny. Like if you if you make John Bush said this to us, if I make myself even smaller, what chance do I have to make it safe? You know. But again, it's about contextualizing it, and I think it's us for us as goalkeeping educators and goalkeeping coaches. To, we have to do that. Now we have to take something that's out visible publicly and contextualize it and say, this is a good time to use it. Maybe this is not a good time to use it. I think there's going to be a bit of a pendulum swing with that. It yes. became, yeah. as you said, with all, all emphasize over media. So a lot of people have gone to using that primarily when they shouldn't have it primarily. It should be a kind of a last resort kind of thing. Jeff, you had something. Yeah, before we started, you were kind enough to pan your camera out and show the fantastic facilities you're at. Do you have the opportunity with the entire club to bring all your goalkeepers out at once to observe each other or to bring your youth goalkeepers out to the pro team to use that for uh, a little bit of extra tactical acumen? So uh, until recently, I would say we haven't really been able to just because of the concerns with COVID and everything. Um, that is stuff that has been discussed at, at great length. And I think we're at a point now where there, there could be some, some more observation stuff. I mean, look, our USL guys will walk in um, past the first team field and they'll, they'll stand off to the side, which is literally a 50 feet away from, where, you know, the first team's training. So they'll, they'll watch and they'll observe. Um, our younger players will be walking in and out on, on a game day, or even on, you know, sometimes the first team will train at night, sometimes we'll train at night. So there is that, that connectivity between the academy and the first team. They're, they are visible since we're all at the same location. We just haven't been able to bring them in because, you know, obviously the, the, the word that was going around last year with, with COVID was you, you're in a different bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't cross bubbles. I mean, there was a bubble for the NCAA tournament, or there is a, supposed to be a bubble for the NCAA tournament. There was the MLS is back. There was the NWSL, you know, all did a very good job once they got people into the bubble because they were self-contained. And I think that that not really knowing with how COVID really worked at first, was the saving grace that got teams back on the field. Um, you know, but we, we haven't actually been able to do it yet, but it is something that, you know, has definitely been talked about is something that people want to implement. And, you know, it's just, can we actually do it safely? That's, that's, I guess the last step because there is so much value when, you know, when I go in and, and I get to work with our Academy kids, um, 
you know, and you you just have to be safe. I think the first team goalkeeping coaches want to be out there as well. Um, You know, I know our, our big thing is once we get through preseason, every once in a while, we're going to have some of our, our players in with our Academy guys, whether it's the goalkeeping, whether it's maybe a forward that was a former Academy kid that's now on the USL team, you know, there, there is that, that connectivity piece, because I mean, you look at who one of our owners are, David Beckham, the guy came through United's Academy. Do you think he values the Academy just a little bit? You know, Phil Neville's the coach. They came in together. There is going to be a lot of value um, coming through our Academy. And, you know, it is, it is a big piece of the puzzle for us. We signed one, two, three guys that were in the Academy in year one are now on first team contracts. You know, and that, those are all names that we can, you know, we you guys can do some research and find on, on the internet. And it's like, you know, there is a pathway there. And I think when you see that, that's something that, you know, we're not the first people to do it, right? None, none of the MLS teams are the first people to do it because it started, you know, overseas. It started with your, with your Ajax, with your Manchester United, your Barcelona's. You know, those guys and and valuing the academy and the pathway and the guys get into the first team and then they make, you know, they make history. So, um, you know, that that's definitely there. I mean, there's there's going to be guys that move in and out of our environment that are still academy players that are non-professionals, you know, and that's that's how they're going to accelerate their development. Um, and that's how they're going to grow as individuals, whether it's a goalkeeper or a field player, that's just me talking soccer at this point. But, um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those where I, I think that'll have so much value when we actually do it, because a U12 could be training next to a, you know, a first team goalkeeper, you know, and, and doing similar actions. And we can show why we stress it at this age and why we stress it at the first team level, um, because it's, it's an important part of the game. And if they see, you know, a first team goalkeeper do it, who do you think they're, they're, they're not going to look at us like, Oh, you sound like mom and dad nagging at me. They're going to look at a first team goalkeeper and they're going to be like, that's why I do it. Right. And they're going to process it differently. Well, and so some consistency as well as credibility when it's yep. consistent through the ages. Yeah. Good. Good. Jeff, I thought I saw you had something to follow with that. Or no, that was good. No, I was uh, okay. okay. Um, Chris, I'm kind of curious because again, just the nature of goalkeeping. If you're the goalkeeper, you play, and you're mm-hmm. playing the match. If you're a midfielder, well, you know what? I'm not starting, but I get 15 minutes here, 20 minutes here. How do you deal with the nature of playing time for goalkeepers as they develop through your system? When does it become okay, the starter's going to play the match and the reserve is going to have to watch. And then, you know, at a younger ages, I'm going to guess there's a little bit more equity and a little bit more playing time is a little bit more distributed. But how does that work as they progress through your academy? Well, I would say, you know, they're going to be given opportunities. We, we, we do a good job of, of finding friendlies as well, um, even if they're not necessarily league matches. Like, we'll, we'll have a friendly on a Wednesday night where – Maybe that's the game, you know, a reserve can get in and improve. Um, you know, they have, they have an opportunity every day in, every day in training. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a big, big thing. You know, the, the competitiveness, uh, competitiveness um, you know, in training is how you get on the field. Right. And then, you know, when you're younger, right, you, you, you earn opportunities and, you know, you, you may not have to really, really do as much in, you know, in a younger age as you are in a professional, because, you know, there, there's not as much disparity when you're a younger soccer player. Um, you know, everyone's a lot of time, I wouldn't say everyone, but there's a lot more parity in the athleticism. Um, you'll, you'll find some special players here and there, but there's a lot of guys that are, they're getting better at about the same rate. Sooner or later, there's kids that just take off, right? Um, and I think that when that happens, you know, you have to handle that on a kind of a case by case basis. Um, you know, you got a kid that's playing lights out, you're, you're not going to disrupt their rhythm too much. And, you know, when, when you definitely get to the higher levels in the Academy, a lot of times, 
you know, there is a starter and a reserve. Um, and, you know, you, you have different ages in the oldest academy groups. Sometimes they're a full year younger than, you know, the oldest guy on the team, or maybe even 18 months, depending on where their birth year falls. Um, so, for example, we've got an 04 in our U17s, and we've got an 05. Sometimes it's just buying your time and learning and then taking your opportunity when it comes there. Sometimes you just have to wait and it's part of your development plan. And it's not, it's not anything bad. You will get games, but you may not get as many as the, as the older guy because he's just one year further along than you perhaps. And that's, you know, that is kind of the, the nature of it. It's you, you look at college athletics. A lot of times freshmen aren't ready to step into, you know, the environment or even, mm -hmm. you know, a professional environment. A lot of times 17, 18, 19 year olds that have turned pro aren't physically ready. So you have to pick and choose when you get them those moments where it stresses them, right? This is some psychology for you. Um, you know, you, where, where it stresses them to a certain level, right? But it's something that they can actually overcome that stress because you don't want them to be too stressed and then they freeze. That's the old inverted you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're dogs yeah. in um, So. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. That's good. And, and again, I think just knowing superficially, I, I know Miami is a good area for soccer. So getting friendlies and stuff like that, getting uh, good training times and good match quality for a team probably isn't as significant of an issue then. No, and we'll, and we'll play our groups up an age group as well, because that provides a different type of stress form, a different type of challenge. Like, you know, our U14s will play a U15 team. And they can't figure things out because they're not, you know, they, they can't just figure things out on, you know, the athletic piece because they're not more athletic, right? They have to learn how to solve problems on the ball. They have to learn how to solve problems off the ball in the movement. They have to be faster. They have to be more attentive. You know, their focus levels have to go up. So the, you present them with different challenges and, and you know, the, the, it, it goes the same for goalkeepers because now 35 yards out, this guy can shoot versus, you know, my, you know, a U14, you're 25 yards out is, is you, you know, there's not a ton of kids that can smack a ball and, yeah. and put it into the top corner with that much power. Now you, you, you raise the level by, by just adding another age to the opposition, 35 yards now, I've got to organize, I've got to get pressure to the ball faster, I've got to do all of these things that, you know, go into the, the goalkeeping actions. And I have to do them faster and I have to be able to, 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 you know, react to things and changes a lot faster as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's definitely fun watching those games when, when we have them because it really challenges the field players and the goalkeepers to, you know, play at a level that sometimes they don't feel comfortable with. Um, and then that lets us know a lot of times, you know, personality wise, how are these guys when it's adversity um, you know, and, and, and that's one of the big things, obviously, you know, a goalkeeper has to deal with adversity so much because there's only so much you can actually control and or influence in a game. So adversity, you have to become well, well versed in dealing with it or else you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to struggle. If you cannot manage adversity, if you cannot manage, you know, being in a struggle and being challenged mentally and physically, then you're, you're not going to play at a high, high level. It's, it's just going to be very, very challenging for you. Yeah. So we're going to make you uncomfortable. So until you are comfortable. Yeah. So we've got to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. That's exactly. nature. But isn't it? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Good. George, what do you have? Chris, um, loving what you're saying. And obviously we, we want to create independent thinkers and problem solvers. And, you know, obviously with the game, um, you know, goalkeepers need to be more connected um, to that back line, you know, um, you're obviously de dealing with uh, the USL, but you're also dealing with those younger academy kids, and you must be making observations of certain kids that uh, have ability, um, have a presence, but they're struggling with communication. Um, any insight, what, what you're doing at, with goalkeepers right now to encourage them to become more vocal? So... I think one of the things that I've always tried to do is, you know, make it as simple as possible for them, right? You know, give them a command 
right? They've got to, you know, make, make it simple. Can it be three or four words, mm-hmm. right? Like George runner, right shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. And that just, you, you're going to check your right shoulder and you're going to go ahead and, and be ready to go there. Um, so, so that, and then, you know, when they do say the right thing, obviously, you know, our coaching position a lot of times is behind the goal or maybe even in the goal, depending on the goalkeeper, how comfortable they are with that. You know, when, when they say the right things, you tell them, obviously you reinforce the fact that they've said the right thing, but then, then all you have to do now is turn up the volume, right? Because there's, there's a lot of times that they're, they're, they're talking, they're not really commanding or communicating. They're not projecting their voice. Um, so once they now turn up the volume now from there, you kind of talk to them about tone, right? Can it be loud, but also show that it's kind of relaxed and it's a calm situation. And then, you know, how do you, what happens when it's really, really important and urgent, right? Your tone changes. So, so layering those things, you know, those little elements into the communication, I think is massive, but I mean, for me, it's, it's all about can we give them a command like, you know, Johnny step left, right. Or, or Johnny pinch in, right. You know, when we give them a command and we tell them, Hey, you got to say a name, you got to give them a direction up, back, left, right, you know? Um, and then you, you, you move those two elements together and then, you know, it, it should help them move down the path. Now, some people are just more naturally quiet than others in, at younger ages, you know, and, and then you really, really have to get on them a little bit, but you, if you show them how they can influence their, in their team's play with their communication, if you can show them the positives and show them the negatives, I feel like a lot of times that's where you're going to make progress. Um, because, you know, it, it is so much about you organizing and you, sticking to within what the team's game plan is because you can see it that's your that's your perspective you see almost the entire field so well, i think your it's, communication it's piece is one massive. of the hardest things i think is that you have to coach personality at some point it's like you have your goalkeeping jersey you have your goalkeeping personality you'd be quiet yeah. off the field all you want but when you step you on the field, superman on the field right you need, yeah. you need to have your goalkeeping personality out. i had a kid at, and i've mentioned i think to these guys I had a, a female from washington building uh in Washington and just tremendous frame for goalkeeping, good technically, but really quiet as a church mouse. And I had to work on coaching her. Your teammates want you to speak. They want you to direct them. They want you to be loud. Exactly. And she ended up, that was one of the hardest things I ever coached, but she ended up getting like 35 caps for Ireland um, after that, because she really kind of understood, okay, when I cross the white line, here's what I have to be like. And I think that was difficult, very difficult to coach. Lotto, you had something. Yeah, just regarding the aspect of, you know, what to say, when to say it, we always, I like to say with with our players, not just our goalkeepers, but my players in our collegiate program is it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. So Mm -hmm. the, the intonation of the urgency of your message is important. So that's one thing. But the other thing, so for coaches that may be listening, that maybe aren't specific goalkeeper coach but you're a coach and you coach your your team and and you're trying to work with your goalkeeper the amount of occasions where I've asked goalkeepers what is the communication that your coach wants you to use in situation a b or c and they don't know they honestly don't know because there isn't integration between what the coach wants the goalkeeper to say he'll just say talk so if you're a coach you know I would my recommendation would make sure you have just some simple phrases and words that are understood between everybody on the team. If a goalkeeper, do you want him to say step? Do you want him to say up? Do you want him to say squeeze? Press? Yeah. Squeeze. No, yeah. Whatever. Because come up with a vocabulary that can be universal. To yeah. Degree, in yeah. different environments, it means different things. And to the point, and I've said this earlier, but you should hear it too, Chris, is that I've done some sessions where the, you know, we're doing a functional game. The goalkeepers won't speak to when they come for a ball or when the ball gets played into the mix and they want it in, the, in their brain. They know they want it played away, but they don't say anything. And I say, mm-hmm. well, what is the verbiage that you use within your team? What does your coach want you to use? And he says, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So it, the point being is our goalkeepers need to develop it but our coaches need to develop it as well. Maybe not so much our goalkeeper coaches because we have an idea, 
but mm-hmm. integrate yourself into you know the, the the process with the full team as well yeah that's um uh, george go ahead well no i just wanted to continue on because um chris you were you were mentioning the 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 point in the valid point and it comes with the the job description that we have to manage adversity and the way that i like to convey to my goalkeepers and get them to understand it's like hey listen you know as you move along in this process, the games and games are going to be more, they're going to mean more and more. There's going to be more on more at stake. So do you want to see two shots or do you want to see 10 shots? Because when you're a youngster, you want all the action. You want to die. You, 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 you want the activity, but when the stakes start getting higher, you know, listen, I, you know, give me, give me a couple shots, handle a couple crosses and, you know, let's call it a day. Let's wrap it up. That'd be perfect. So really, you know, the, 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 you know, what Lotto's talking about in regards to coaches need to have um, develop a, a vocabulary for their teams, but also, you know, kids obviously need that structure, but the, the catch 22 in regards to is, hey, we got to let kids play. We got to get let kids figure it out. But in these instances, we need to coach. Yeah, we need to coach and, and allow or teach them the vocabulary so that they can grow and blossom into a, I would say, a goalkeeper that manages that adversity better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things actually, and again, we should have asked with, um, you know. North Carolina Anson plays with a really high back line and they have back three. They're, half the time their line is in the attacking half and they all have the same terms, uh, you know, step, drop, side on. Those three things are what they say. And Anson started to bring in the goalkeepers when I was there. I said, let's have the goalkeepers involved in this. And the fact that they got to know that lingo, they felt a lot more comfortable. And then they, that, that kind of helped bring them out a little bit more. And it kind of facilitated that kind of personality, I guess you could say, with that. Um, George. Yeah, no, Chris. I mean, listen, man, uh, I know that you you love coaching education. um, And I know that in passing, you and I were were talking about some of the the courses you're taking now. I'm just very curious to see what you can share with us, any insights, whether it's um, takeaways, I guess, from, from those courses and, and how it's relative to goalkeeping? Well, um, right now on, on the A senior, it's, it's more about managing the, the players, the environment, um, you know, managing periodization, you know, the, the processes. I don't, I don't think there, it gets really into um, the, the really the, the positional aspects of it. Um, you know, so I, I, one of my projects is spending a lot of time doing uh, some match analysis of an individual player and, or, you know, the actual team. So it's, you know, how do they play in possession? How do they play out of possession? So it's, it's more of training you to really be habitual in your approach to analyzing a game, how you're going to break the opposition down um, through the periodization it doesn't really get into like specific actions and specific positions, um, you know, and then with, uh, with the UEFA stuff, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's the C, so it's not the most in-depth thing. Um, but it, you know, it, it's much the same as, you know, the, the, it's about the processes as opposed to the actual information specific to positions. And that's, yeah. I think that's where, you know, for me in my environment where it's going to be, you know, the, the most beneficial. All right. Well, I have to start thinking as a head coach, even though I'm a goalkeeping coach and these are the steps and things I have to go through over the course of the season that lead to a winning environment, a very competitive winning environment, um, which is kind of reverse engineering. Cause I go from, you know, small picture to a big picture mm-hmm. where as a, a head coach is usually a big picture down to the individuals. Um, you know, in, in the approach. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely a good thing, but I, I think where I've been over the last few years, my best specific goalkeeping education has been observing and going in with other goalkeeping coaches and, and picking their brains and sitting down with them 
whether it's on the phone or picking up, you know, picking up the phone and talking to you, George, or, or getting on the phone with, you know, someone like Phil or John, you know, and, and just talking about goalkeeping and what they've seen and what, you know, what, what kind of things they've been noticing um, versus I don't think, you know, in coaching courses that I've taken, I've really been, you know, learning specifically about a position. Right. Now it's, it's now it's me watching games on the weekend and like, all right, what are they doing? When are they doing it? Why are they doing it? I'm asking myself those questions and it really, really forces me to think about, all right, why were they successful now? Why were they unsuccessful? And it's it, that analysis piece versus, you know, going to coaching education. There's, you know, for me, I'll say this over and over again, the most impactful coaching course I've ever taken was the advanced national goalkeeping. Um, just because, you know, it was so much in depth about one specific position versus the whole game, but it also affected how the goalkeeping position is related to the game as a whole and how yeah. we manage that. So, you know. I think those conversations that you mentioned, that's great because that's kind of like filling in between the lines. That's kind of filling in between the lines that the coaching education that provides you those specific things that you mentioned. And then the conversations are kind of like a little bit more specific application ideas, things like that. So mm -hmm. this has been great. This has been a lot of fun. Um, we're running out of time because I know Chris is going to get his second vaccine. So congratulations, yes. man. We don't, we don't want to prevent that by any means. So, um, fellas, any last thoughts? Ah, thanks for showing up today. We appreciate it. I think it's been great. Yeah, Chris, thank you very much for making Guys, thanks for having me on. It's been great to talk. And I mean, we definitely can, we can do this again in the future. You know, yeah, it'd be fun to it. catch up after you've been at Miami for a little bit longer and you can fill in some blanks about uh, what you've got going on there and we can revisit some of the topics. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. all, it's all about evolving, right? How, how can we take another step? How can we, you know, continue to push players up our pathway? And then, you know, just after that, it's, it's kind of like updating our processes. Mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, that's going to be a big thing for us over the next six to 12 months <laughs> is, is all right you know, we, we've done this for a year. Now let's reflect and let's see how, how we can make it a little bit better. What do we need to do to make it a little bit better? Um, and if, if we can figure those things out, then I think, uh, you know, a year from now we'll be, we'll be in an even better place than we are. And I think we're in a pretty good place right now. Very good. Very good. Cool. Good luck. Good luck, Chris. Good luck into Miami. Good luck with it all. All right. Thank you guys. You guys have a good weekend. Talk good soon. Back, Chris. Take care, man. We hope you enjoyed that episode at the Goalkeeper Roundtable. If you'd like to reach out with suggestions, comments, or questions, all of our email addresses are available in the show description. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to it, but also share it in social media platforms or with any other goalkeeper or coach who may find value in it. We hope you turn in to the next Goalkeeper Roundtable.